Amen. Thank you so much, choir. Don't you just be, aren't you just thrilled today that you have Jesus? That you can tell anything at all to. You know, I was reading, I, I was reading in Ephesians this week, and I was backing up from where we were into chapter 3, and I, there's a prayer in chapter 3, and I would pray this over our church. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Would you stand together? We're going to sing a song that we've done before, but it's been a little while. Jesus, your name, I'll sing the first verse and you join me right after that. There is a name I call in my troubles. There is a word I speak to my fears. There is a power to silence my worries. Let it ring out for the whole world to hear. Jesus, your name is a light in the darkness. Hope for the hopeless, strength for the weak. Oh, what a Savior, there's no one greater. Jesus, your name I forever will sing. No other name can carry my burdens with just a Jesus, your name I forever will 
morning, church. So good to see each of you. Hey, do me a favor. Before we get going today, I want everybody to stand up. We're going to have some spiritual aerobics today, all right? So stand up, turn around, shake a hand, hug a neck, welcome somebody to Poplar Springs this morning, all right? Do that. Make you a new friend this morning. There you go. Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all? Bless you. Good to see you, man. There you go. Now you look better. Hey, while you're standing, while you're standing, grab your Bible, grab your device. Turn with me to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. So good to see each of you today. If you're a guest today, it is an absolute honor and a privilege that you uh, are worshiping with us today at Poplar Springs, and we are so glad that you are here. I want to read out of Titus 1 today, Titus 1, and this is a hard place. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I mean, uh, it, it, you, you may or may not know this. Every single week, I am shaking in my shoes when I stand behind this pulpit, okay? It's a, I mean, it's a daunting task to stand here and to preach what God has put in his word, okay? And I realize that every time I've preached, I'm going to give an account for that one day. So, that's a, so that makes me nervous. I'm telling you, that's, that, that, that's, it's weighty, right? But today and next week, it's even worse because I'm preaching to me. Okay? We're going to look at what God expects in a pastor. All right? So two questions we're going to answer over the next two weeks. Today, what does God expect from a pastor? And number two, next week is what does a pastor do? <laughs> And I really want you all to be here next week, all right? We'll create some accountability together, all right? And, uh, but you pray for me this morning, and I'm not kidding when I say this, all right? I promise I'm not. Here's what the Word says. Let's begin reading in verse 5. And this is why I left you in Crete. He's speaking to Titus. Remember, he's writing this book, and so Titus is his son in the Lord, and he's been discipling him and giving him responsibility and and it's a beautiful thing, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he might be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Lord, today, uh, we just thank you and praise you for the privilege of coming and gathering together as a body today. And Lord, we are thrilled. I'm so glad each person is here today. And God, I pray that you will just continue to speak to us. Thank you for our time of worship in Bible study. Thank you for our time of worship, Lord, uh, in just the music and singing today, just celebrating you. And uh, Lord, I was just so e even moved at the very beginning, thinking about that precious old hymn, I must tell Jesus. And so, Lord, I am incredibly dependent upon you today. And God, I want you to speak your truth today. And God, I pray that we would listen and that we would hear. And, and Lord, I know that this is a word to every pastor, but at the same time, God, today is a word for every single disciple of Jesus in this room and those that are watching today. And so, Lord, I know that what you 
expect of me. God, we could trace through the word and find that many of these characteristics are what you are looking for in every person that follows Jesus. And so, God, give us ears to hear and a heart, God, that's so pliable in your hands. And Jesus, I pray that our will will just, God, we would give our will to you. And God, let you do whatever you want to do to bring yourself the greatest measure of glory. God, teach us your truth. Let us know your truth, to to preach your truth, to sing your truth, to pray your truth, to proclaim the truth of the gospel through the name of Jesus, the only one that can save, redeem, and restore. And so, Lord, continue to meet with us. And for what you do today, Jesus, we will give you and you alone all of the glory And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There is no doubt when you begin to really study this passage, you see that God does have a standard when it comes to to leadership in the church. And it is a very high standard. You've read in verse 5 where Paul has just left Titus and brought him there to Crete and There's some things in the church that are still unsettled. There's some things that need to be mended, put in order. I love that phrase, to be put in order. It means to to make straight. The the root word there is ortho. So if you have crooked teeth, you go to a orthodontist. Every parent in this room, just wave at me. If you had to, you know, you spent thousands of dollars on your kids' teeth, right? So you sent them to an orthodontist. If you break a limb, you might have to go see a... Uh, an orthopedic, right? So something's broke, it needs to be mended, it needs to be set straight, and so that's what's going on. There are some, there were some doctrinal issues that were going on at the church in Crete, and some things were being taught that were not biblical and were not sound, and, and so it, it, in some ways you could say that Titus was a troubleshooter, and there's something unique about how that he was gifted and, and, and the unique abilities that God had put within him. And so he's there to set some things straight, some things that needed to be done. And all of that starts with leadership. You understand that, don't you? I can never expect something out of you that I'm not willing to do myself. And so you have a staff that loves you, a staff that prays for you, and, and we begin our own, uh, when we hang out, we have a good time. I'll just tell you right now, on Tuesdays, we have a blast, and it is wonderful. And this past Tuesday, I, I started a Bible study time with our staff through uh, the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, and we will be there every Tuesday for probably at least two to three months. I mean, we're just taking bite-sized pieces and just wearing this thing down. And so I want you to know that you are prayed for, you are loved, and you are cared for. And, and I understand that what God is going to do and the standard that he sets, he is, he is going to start with us. And so that puts a, a lot of pressure and responsibility there. There's a pattern that you see in all of Paul's writings where he's talking to Titus or whether he's talking to to Timothy. There's something going on here. Here's this pattern, this model of leadership where he leads someone to Jesus and then he begins to disciple them and to watch them grow and develop and these spiritual babies turn into spiritual parents. And that that is a beautiful picture of discipleship. And so when you watch this, you see something that's intentional, you see something that's identifiable, you see something that is measurable, that you can actually see that people are growing and they are developing, and that's what I want to see happen right here at Popper Springs. And so I want to live in such a way that God continues to work on me, change me, grow me, so that I can deposit that into staff, and staff can deposit that in you, and then you begin to deposit that in each other. And, and I think in some churches, that's why there seems to be a lack of spiritually mature leaders. If all I ever think about is filling up this building and being sure that the budget is met, and that everybody has a bulletin, Lord, we all need a bulletin, Amen. If that's my major concern, I promise you what's going to happen. We're just going to have church, just status quo, right? 
And, and so, so there may be a different paradigm that you begin to see and a different language that you may hear from this pulpit because we want to see you grow. We want to see you develop. And wherever you are, we want to see you reproduce yourself in somebody else. There should never, ever, ever, ever be a lack of volunteers when it comes to the ministry here at Poplar Springs. Why? Because we're going to develop a culture that reproduces and reproduces and reproduces spiritually mature believers and leaders, and we're going to develop that. I didn't say we might. I said we're going to develop that. Okay? So I need you in on that. Did I scare you? Okay, well, I just wanted to know because I found out a lot about y'all today. I went to the children's department just asked about y'all. Matter of fact, I got some good notes. I'm really just kidding. I didn't do that, all right? Just want to be sure you're listening. Just sure you're listening. So he says, appoint elders. And the word elder there could be pastor. So when you're walking through the New Testament, they're all kind of different phrases. And let me, let me just read a couple to you. Listen to this in Acts Chapter 20, verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Overseer. So there's elder, there's overseer, there's pastor. And anytime you see those three words, they're not really different words. Because they all are a picture of what God is looking for in a pastor. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 5. So I exhort the elders among you, or we could say pastors, or we could say bishop, or we could say, um, what's the other one I'm looking for? A shepherd. You, you could even turn, use the term shepherd there. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is be, to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so what you see, this is what he says in verse 5, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what is remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I have directed you. And where did his directions come from? From God, right? So here's the first thing I want you to see today. A pastor is a leader on assignment from God. A pastor is a leader on assignment from God. And 1 Peter 5 makes it very clear that every pastor is going to stand before God, the chief shepherd one day, and we're going to give an account. I was with some friends this past Tuesday, and, and one of my, he's becoming one of my dearest buddies, and I love him to death. He was going to buy everybody lunch, and, and he swapped his card, and it was declined. And you know him. I won't call his name, but his initials are Scott McClellan, all right? So, so you won't believe this. So, so somebody hacked into, you know, how they do his card, the church card. So you have to, you know, then you have to decline it and get a new one. Same thing happened to us, happened to Pat this week. It's crazy. There is no worse feeling, is there? You're standing there, you just ordered your food, you're just laughing, cutting up, having a big time, and that sweet little girl looks and says, your card has been declined. That's the worst feeling, isn't it? Can I just tell you, listen to me, church, listen to me. God one day will have his own scanning system. Right? And either it's approved, or it's declined. Either approved or declined. Now I put some fear and trembling in me. So 
So I know that my assignment is not just because of a pastor search team. I thank God for our pastor search team. There are some great men and women of faith on that team, and I love them dearly and, and want to remain very accountable to them during this tenure. But I understand that there is, there's something else that's bigger, larger, more eternal at play. I, I, there is not a doubt in my mind that God Almighty orchestrated all of this so that he, because he knew that my next pastoral assignment would be right here at Poplar Springs. So I want you to understand, I, I really only have an audience of one. You understand that? Every time this praise team, when you get up, you really have an audience of one. Every time this choir sings, audience of one. Every teacher that teaches, audience of one. Every deacon that deeks, audience of one. What we do, we do as unto Jesus. Amen? And he really is our audience of one. So a pastor is a leader. And that leader is on assignment from God. Number two, a pastor is a leader whose reputation is not questioned. It's important. Look at verse 6. If anyone is above reproach, if anyone is above reproach, the word there means absence from any charge. It means absence of any accusation. It does not mean that the pastor is sinless. Go ahead and say amen. You can say, Ken, there ain't no way. You're a Gamecock fan. You can't be sinless, right? Sinless or winless. What you, where are you going with that, all right? Where are you going with that? So it doesn't mean the pastor's perfect. doesn't mean that he's sinless. But, but there, there, there is nothing that you could dig up any dirt on me that would cause you to question my character or question my leadership. And so I would encourage you every Sunday that I preach, you need to be sure that I am preaching the Word of God. And it's more important, listen, listen to me, it's just as important how I live in this community. You, you don't need a pastor who preaches one thing in the pulpit and then lives a completely different way Monday through Saturday. You, you, I pray that, that there would absolutely be nothing that my reputation before God and before you would be blameless that my doctrine and my life match. What I say and what I do matches. What I speak and what I live matches. My creed and my conduct go together like peanut butter and jelly. That you would never be able to look at me, call my, call my decisions uh, into question. You need a pastor and a staff who is worth following what a leader does by the way if you're here and you want to be a leader I want to tell you something here's a surefire way to know if you're leading or not you better look around and see if anybody's following that's where you really know okay and so a pastor is a leader whose reputation is not questioned you you see his model you see his pattern for life that he truly is being a man of God he's faithful to God he's faithful to others he's faithful to the father he's faithful to this body here's another one a pastor is a leader who leads his family with devotion and integrity a pastor has got to be a leader who leads his family with devotion and integrity. That's why I jokingly said earlier today that I went and talked to your kids. If you really want to know about me, don't ask me. You want to know about me? Ask Pat. Pat, you, you, if they ask you any questions, you'd be, you'd be straight, wouldn't you? You'd tell them. Just be careful. <laughs> nope, nothing to hide. Nothing up my sleeve. Nothing to hide. You want to know something about me? Ask Pat. You want to know anything about me? Ask my kids. And I promise you, I would 
I would never be offended if you sought out any of my kids, if you sought out my son-in-law, if you sought out my daughter-in-loves. I love my daughter-in-loves. They're precious. And I'm telling you, you could ask them anything that you want to ask them about me, about how I am as a husband. Let's start there. I mean, this question has a lot to do with family life. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife. You know, that phrase has been called into question on so many different occasions. Uh, what, What does that actually mean? Is polygamy, is that what they were talking about? No, I don't think that was the point. Was it divorce? No, I don't think that was the point. Because in the Greek, that phrase literally means one woman man. And so you should be able to answer this question, does our pastor love his wife and only his wife? That's a great question. Is our uh, pastor faithful to his wife and only his wife? Is he faithfully pure to her? Now, you've heard me say this at least twice. I'm going to say this for the third time because I mean it. I don't want to step out on my wife, but if I ever did, I would not be your pastor. I would be right outside these walls on the, y'all know what I'm talking about? The cemetery. That's where I would be. She doesn't believe in divorce, but she does believe in murder, all right? That's where I would be, right out there. You can come by, put flowers out there if you wanted to, all right? There he lies, okay? Am I faithful? You know, in, in almost 40 years of marriage, we, uh, uh, I, I've, I've really tried to maintain a high, high level. That's why, if y'all want to know why I talk about Pat a lot from the pulpit, that's one reason why. I mean, I do love her. And she is my one and only. And, and I want it to be that way forever. But, but I also know I have friends who are no longer in the ministry. And something happened because they counseled somebody or they stopped to help somebody. And, they, and I, I'm just telling you, the Lord has challenged me to put safeguards in my life. So I don't want anybody to be offended. Ladies, do not be offended. If you come to me and say, Pastor, I'd like to speak with you. You can speak with me, but it's probably going to be with another female. And probably Pat. Okay? Say, Ken, you think you're all that good looking? I'm going to tell you something. has nothing to do with looks. Because some of the guys who have fallen, I'm telling you right now, they had a beautiful, godly wife and chased after a Pastor has a good reputation. So that, I can't go there, all right? I mean, woo, 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 a dog, all right? Just horrible. Makes no sense. How, I'll tell you why it doesn't make sense. Because it's not about their physical. It's about supernatural. It is a trap from the enemy. So ladies, let me just tell you something. If I go down 290 and your car's broke down, I will pull over, give you my keys. You can drive my car, but you're not getting in my car. I will not take you anywhere. It ain't happening. But I'll give you my car. Does our pastor love his wife? Is he devoted to her? Is she his one and only? Will he be sexually pure to her? The answer to that is yes. But then he goes on. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children our believers are not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. So then there, there, there is a measure here that's talking not just about his married life as a husband, but, but what about his life as a parent? Is he faithful to his family? Does he influence his children toward Jesus? 
Are his kids living in the framework of what it looks like for God to be in the center of the home? Are they being led in such a way where the gospel has shaped the content of that home? Is there biblical discipline? Is there correction? Are his kids crazy? Well, they are crazy, all right? If you ever met our crew, they're nuts. We got some dear friends here today that know our kids and have loved on our kids. And, and, but I will just tell you, if you want to know what kind of parent I've been, you go ask my kids. You go ask my kids. I can tell you, as far as I know, all my kids love Jesus. Not all of them are in vocational ministry. There's, there's probably going to be three, perhaps four so half of them probably will be, before it's all said and done, in vocational ministry of some kind, which is kind of cool and neat. We spent the night last night with our son Stephen and his family, and he's a discipleship pastor in Greenville. And to hear him talk and to hear him talk about what he's reading and what he's studying and all that, man, that nothing excites me any more than that. That's, it's great. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Say, Kim, why, why do you think the Holy Spirit made such a big deal about a pastor's marriage and his family life? I'll tell you why. Because if a, if a man can't manage his house, the, the, the micro, there is no way he can manage the house of God, the macro. You understand? And so you have to be able to look at me, and you have to be able to answer those questions. Has his home life been a proving ground for spiritual leadership? Can he lead his family, whether it's small or large? Oh, Lord. Are they following me? Understand that leadership is influence. That's why, listen, this message is directed to me today. But dads, can you hear my heart today? This message is directed to every dad in this room. Because God's called you to be prophet, priest, and king of your home. And don't tell me that you're not called. God called you. God gave you that family. And that's your place to exercise spiritual leadership. That's the place where you get to be the real deal. You, you will have no greater influence any other place than you will right there where you live in the context of your home. Leadership is influence. So I'm just going to tell you, if the home life of a pastor is out of control, he's not a good fit to be your pastor. Now, I can say that. And if that ever happens, then you can boot me out. And you should say Amen. Okay, that's, that's fair. That's fair. All right, here we go. I'll wrap it up with this. What time is it? Yep, got to go. Here's the last one I'll give you. I'm talking about being today, and we'll talk about doing next week, and that is the proper order. Being and then doing. Okay? A pastor is a leader whose example is worth following as you continue to read this passage that we read together today there seems to be a list of do's and don'ts and they're kind of all woven together let me just read it and then i'm going to share with you the do's and the don'ts this is why i left you in crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders or a pastor shepherd in every town as i've directed you if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery of insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, I, well, ooh, I really want to just camp out there for just one quick second. You understand, I'm really not in charge. The word says what I am is a steward. That means God's in charge. That means I am the errand boy. That means I'm the delivery boy. That means I get to stand in this pulpit every single week and preach to you God's Word. It's not my Word. It's His Word. I am just a steward of that grace. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. 
but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So here's some must-nots. He must not be arrogant. That means to be self-centered. You don't need a pastor who thinks only of himself. Quick-tempered. The word there literally means to be short-fused. Don't be short-fused. Don't intimidate. Don't get in the pulpit and use this as a place to... Now, y'all know I pound this thing right now, right? I broke a few at a few places. But, but, but this is not a place that I should ever use to intimidate you. Does that make sense? That, that's, that's not what the pulpit's for. Not quick-tempered, not a drunkard, not addicted. The, the phrase literally means addicted to alcohol. Not to be violent. The word there is brawler. Greedy. Which you say you're just not really in it for the money. Those are the don'ts. But here are the do's. He must be hospitable. That means he opens his heart. He opens his home. He opens his calendar. I'm going to tell you, one of the great things that we want to do when we get settled in is we, we want people over to the house. And we'll, this thing is, I don't know what I've done to it today, but I think I've done something. <laughs> Bro, you might have to check it, Ryan. Um, maybe it's just my head, all right? So, uh, but we want to be hospitable. We want to open up our home. And there'll be times that we want to organize and you know, we, we want, you know, the staff and their families to come over and there'll be times that we'll just invite y'all and maybe just, just to come and hang out with us. And I, I want you to know where we live and I want you to know just, I mean, we just, I just, I just want to be one of y'all. Does that make sense? And so I want to be hospitable. We want to open up our home. I don't know, we, we may even, if we have some interns in the future or a residency program, we, we got, we're going to have more bedrooms than we need, but then we thought, well, hey, since we got them, well, we could use them. And if we have an intern that needs to hang out, then they'll have a place to hang out. So we want to be hospitable. Lover of good. That means he has a passion for good. Self-controlled. It means focused, to be balanced, not out of control. To be upright means to be devote, just, honest, to reflect God's character. Holy means to be unpolluted, committed to godliness, that you reflect Jesus. Disciplined. A man with passion, but his impulses are under control. And then I'll end up by saying this. He says to hold firm to the trustworthy word. So for me, for our staff, a pastor needs to be a leader whose example you should be eager and willing to follow. That, that was a, a part of, of Paul's process. Listen to this real quick. Philippians 3.17, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. 2 Thessalonians 3.9 speaks of an example to imitate. Hebrews 3 or 13.7, remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. 1 Peter 3, 5, speaking of a, a pastor, being elders, uh, examples to the flock. 1 Timothy 4, 12, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in So there's the answer to the question. What is God looking for in a pastor? I got one quick question. What are you looking for in one? What are you looking for in me? What are you looking for in your pastor? What I would say is this. Let the word itself help shape what you desire in me. 
And if you do that, here's what's going to happen. We will be less frustrated with each other. Am I ever going to let you down? Probably. Probably. Am I going to miss out on an expectation? Probably. Probably. <laughs> it's just going to happen. But it doesn't mean that I don't love you and care for you. So if my expectation for you is laced through the word and your expectation of me is laced by the word, you know what? We're going to have we're going to have a really good and we're going to serve the Lord together, and we're going to grow together, and we're going to trust together, we're going to pray together, we're going to cry together, we're going to share the gospel together, we're going to baptize together, we're going to mature believers together. So I want, That's what I want you to look for. Don't look for personality. Don't look for power. Don't look for presence. Don't look for a gifted communicator. Don't look for a pied piper. Don't look for administrator. I want you to look for a man who's called by God, who will preach the word of God, and will model God before you. I can commit to that. Am I going to fail? Probably. Aren't you glad that even when we fail, we can tell Jesus about it? Aren't you glad we serve a God of that second chance? and the third chance, and the fourth chance, and the fifth chance. Isn't it wonderful that the grace of God is never, ever bankrupt? So we're just going to learn and grow together. Amen? So you said amen. That's all I could ask for. And we get to join him in all of it. Lord, today, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for just the truth of your word. And, and Lord, I just want to pray to you today and say, God, I want to submit myself to your word afresh and anew. Lord, I want to spend time with you. I want to know you more. God, I want to stay close and I want to stay close. Lord, I want to be an example to this body. God, I pray that in every one of those areas that I would be what you desire me to be. And that, and that we would truly, God, as a church, just radiate Jesus. God, I pray that not only for me, I pray that for our staff, I pray that for the, for the leadership of our church. Lord, I pray that for every dad. I pray that for every mom. I pray that for every grandparent. I pray that for every employee and employer. I pray that for every friend and every neighbor. God, I pray that for every person that we recreate with. And I pray, God, for I pray that to be true for every new relationship that you open up for us. That what we see and hear in this building on Sunday would be the very same thing that we would see and hear in every other context of our life. That God, the gospel that saved us is the gospel that will sanctify us and the very gospel that will shape us to look more and more like Jesus. And God, when we fail, I pray that we would be quick to run back to Calvary. And let us stay there as long as we need to to understand forgiveness. And Lord, maybe even stay a little longer so we can be sure to understand how to forgive others. And so Lord, today, maybe somebody here doesn't even know you. And yet, God, the Holy Spirit could have spoke in such a way 
that someone knows they need Jesus today. God, it could be that the Holy Spirit used this message and spoke in such a way that somebody needs, they just need to repent of a sin or sins today. Lord, maybe there's someone here today that's been afraid just to to tell you what you already know. And today could be a day of freedom where, God, we just say, Lord, I know that I, I have failed and I've sinned against you. And, God, you will forgive and you will restore. Thank you that your grace is never bankrupt. God, somebody here today is in the bend of the road, and and Lord, they're just not sure which way to go, which way to turn. And Lord, maybe you've used this message in such a a crazy way that even, even today, looking at what you look for in a pastor has been used by the Holy Spirit to draw someone to choose you, to choose your way. Lord, maybe somebody needs to join this church today. So, Lord, during this time of invitation, I'm asking you to draw our hearts toward you. And, Lord, for all that you do, we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Our praise team is going to just lead us in this hymn of invitation. If God spoke to you and you need to make a public decision today, I'll be here to help you. You may not need me. You just might want to come just to seek the Lord and pray. Trust Him, trust Him, trust Him, trust Him. the offering and or on the little black boxes there as you go out uh, brother joey will be out at their uh, welcome desk if you're new with us or the new with us for the first time in a long time we'd love for you just to stop by and he'll tell you how you can be- get connected with us again or for the first time see what we're all about let's pray together father thank you for the day thank you for allowing us to be a part of this fellowship lord thank you for the message we've heard and Lord, I thank you for showing us what you expect. Lord, I pray that we only expect what you do. I pray that we only are what you would have us be. So as we go from this place, I pray that you will keep these words in our minds and our hearts. We love you and we thank you for loving us in Jesus' name.